lovely parent friends, and apparently we are still friends. And on episode 32 of the Teen and Tween Parenting Podcast, I am your host and cruise director, Dr. Nikki Naradin, bringing, th- bringing you through this tempestuous, joyous, difficult, bumpy and rocky road we call parent-tweening or parentining. And it is really great to be back here again. And I am almost on my way out of Nome. As you probably know, I do this four week on, four week off thing. And my last day was yesterday. And it's almost like all roads are leading to the end of this particular race. And then I can relax a minute, but I wanted to get this podcast out to you because Saturday's normally my podcasting day and I'm leaving on a Saturday. And so there is something in me that wants to just relax or get things together or not do it. But then I have this little thing picking at the back of my head saying, you have to do a podcast. It's your day to do a podcast. The people need to hear your podcast. You have things to say. And so even if I somehow put it off and believe me, I wanted to put it off, it was still consuming my mind. I still was thinking about it. I still needed to do it. I still wanted to do it. And so I decided that I would sit here and do it. And once I start, it's always great because I love sharing things and I love talking with you guys. And I love developing and spreading wide and reaching my tentacles out as far as I possibly can. So I urge you all that if you have the feeling that you don't want to do something, that you're procrastinating for some reason, and remember normally when you're procrastinating, it's almost like you're trying to protect yourself, either protect yourself from some kind of rejection or protect yourself from the lack of perfectionism or protect yourself from not being able to please as many people as you want, or even being able to please yourself, don't. There is no true protection that happens. It's all a protection in our mind and we end up getting protected by not doing. But then down the road, we are a person that didn't do the things that we wanted to do. In the future, we become people that somehow regret that we didn't have the opportunity or the chance or we didn't somehow move through something hard in order to live our biggest possible life, in order to evolve into the kind of person that we want to be in order to see the future as a possibility. So we stay stuck in the present and all the present worry and fear about whatever might have gone wrong by doing the thing that we're doing. Now, the truth is, is that I've been really scared to do a podcast because I have all these thoughts in my mind. Nobody's listening. Nobody cares. I won't do it perfectly. I won't reach anybody. But these are just thoughts in my head. I've had evidence that I reach people, but even without the evidence that I reach people, I could still believe in my mind that I do just as much as I believe in my mind that I won't. So we get to choose what we want to believe. And each one in some ways is its own delusion. It's delusional to believe that I know that nobody will listen. And it's delusional to believe that everybody will listen. But I get to choose the delusion I want if you call it so. I get to choose how I want the outcome to look. I get to look in the future and decide what I want it to be. And since thinking is energy, whatever decision I make will be how energetic I go towards that decision. So if I make the decision that nobody's going to want it, 
nobody's going to listen to it, nobody will think that this is important, then that's the direction I go. And it's the direction I go with a bunch of inaction that I don't take. But if I choose to believe the thought that everybody wants this and everybody's going to need this, and it's so fantastic that I'm out there doing this, then my energy will move in that direction. And that's where it will go, no matter what that's where it will be. So I want you all to move your energy in the direction of a thought that serves you, a thought that you can actually be excited about and interested in and curious about, and then keep moving in that direction. I didn't realize I was going to go on a little rant there about that because I have so much to talk about. So I said I was leaving Gnome, and I really believe in heartfelt goodbyes. Now, I know a lot of people have difficulty with goodbyes because it feels really bad. It feels bad for you because you're sad about leaving. It could possibly feel bad for the other person. Or maybe you might think it doesn't feel quite as bad for the other person, so you don't even have to have a heartfelt goodbye. But I think it's really important to let people know how much you care about them, how important they are in your life, and how much you'll miss them. And I've thought about that ever since the children were young. So it used to be that goodbyes were really hard. So I would take the kids off to you know, kindergarten, nursery school, daycare, whatever it was. And I would be so worried about what the goodbye would be like. Will they be too attached to me? Will they be crying? Will they make a scene? Will they pull at my heartstring? Will I somehow be late for whatever it is that I had to do afterwards? And so I would do this very quick goodbye and I would shoo them off and they would go off to the teacher and they would be crying and I would walk off because people would say they're fine, they're okay. And I would go and do my own thing as quickly as possible. But then I realized that if I built in some time to really allow them to say goodbye to me, to get all their feelings out, to feel whatever it is that they feel, which I have no understanding about how they feel other than it looks like they'll miss me or it looks like they're sad, I'll go, or it looks like they don't wanna be where they wanna, don't wanna be. And I'm not sure which one it was because most of this was pre-verbal or where somebody couldn't really express it. But I had all of these stories in my head as to why they were upset. But I believe that as long as they can work on their upset, they might be able to clear whatever the feelings are they have about me leaving. Now, I don't know if a young person even has the concept of time and knowing that I'll be back. Maybe in their mind, they think that I am never coming back. To assume that they think that I'll be back is a big assumption on my part. So I don't know whether they think I'll be back or I won't be back. So I stay there and I decided that I would stay and work in some time where they could be really, really upset about me leaving and that I wouldn't try to distract them and I wouldn't try to push them off somewhere. I would just be there while they got upset. Now, the other adults around me were really worried about it and they would constantly reassure that things were going to be okay. But I was absolutely sure that things were going to be okay. And I think that's where you probably need to come from with the assured feeling that things are fine, that you are leaving them in a place where they're gonna be fine, with people who can think about them, with other young people that can play with them, 
with their ability to get over whatever emotion they have and to allow their feelings to be whatever their feelings are. So even though the adults were concerned about if I was okay or not, if they were okay or not, and whether I believed that they were going to be okay there, I knew that things were going to be okay. So when I knew that, then I could stay. So you will have to create enough ballast. You have to become strong enough to believe that things are okay, even in the face of your young person being very upset. Now, this really, really applies to your teenagers, to your teens and tweens, because you're going to watch them be upset about things. And you're going to stay very, very, very close to them. And you're going to still have to know that things are okay. And that the best thing for them is to be able to show you how hard things feel in the outside world, whether we believe they're hard or not. So we do need to go back and remember how hard they felt for us. Now, everybody belittled our feelings about how hard they felt, but they still felt hard and it was still significant at the time. And even though it didn't stay significant for years to come, or it didn't become the thing that we were worried about in the future, that it was still significant. So anyway, I digress. We'll go back to the heartfelt goodbyes and I would stay there and we would have this extremely heartfelt, loving goodbye where I would keep reassuring them that mommy loves them and that I will be back and that I will always come back and get them. Now, if I needed to leave, I let them go into the arms of somebody else who was loving. I didn't leave them alone. And I knew that they would hold them and be there for them. And I would let them cry and let them show their feelings to whoever was taking care of them. Now, other people might have different ways in which they help somebody get over their feelings. Usually they would end up distracting. If you've got a class of however many people, you don't have a lot of time to take care of somebody who's crying or somebody who's showing you a lot of feelings, but you might have a minute or two. And let me tell you, that minute or two makes the biggest difference in the world. And then you go off and again, know that everything is okay, that you're okay, that you're doing the best that you can, that you're heading off to a place where you absolutely need to go for whatever reason you need to do it, whether it be work or an appointment or even to get some time for yourself, and that it would be okay. And that you trusted in yourself that you would be back there for your child. So that's the heartfelt goodbye of saying goodbye in Nome. And so I'm doing a lot of them. And I think people have feelings about them, but I do say goodbye for real. And I'm trying not to say, but I'll see you again. Don't worry about it. I'm really just trying to say goodbye and I'm really going to miss you. And I will be back again because I, I, I know that I come back and I know that I could be trusted to come back to whatever I commit to do. Now, there'll be a point where I can't come back, but I'll tell somebody that beforehand. So this kind of brings me, I had this interesting interaction with my daughter and my husband. So my daughter is a person who has a million things going on. She's a singer. She's a dancer. She's a songwriter. She has a band. She's part of an acapella group. She's making an album for her band. She's making an album for her acapella group. God, she is living the life in some ways that I didn't feel I had the opportunity to live back there because I didn't, I didn't have quite the support that she has 
And I didn't have quite the self-confidence that she has. And I didn't have some of the stick-to-itiveness that she has. And I also didn't believe that I could make it through hard feelings and couldn't handle the rejection. She is pretty good. Although, you know, she does have her struggles at handling people's feelings and rejection and still moving forward while feeling bad, which is an amazing skill, especially for a 20 year old to have. So they call me on the phone and I'm still at Nome and I'm coming back for my four weeks back in New York. Now I have committed for the four weeks because I've left for so far away that I would really try to do the best I can to be at the disposal of my family. Now, it's a little bit tricky because I've started another business, I've been writing books, I'm doing podcasts, there are so many things going on to be completely at the disposal of them, but I'm working it out. So my daughter, kind of last minute, had one acceptance in this big battle of the bands, and if accepted as the band winning this battle, she would open up for some big other band. Now, I don't know the particulars of who the band is. I'm going to say in my mind, she's going to open up for Beyonce. I don't really think so, but I can enjoy that thought. Maybe she's going to open up for Adele or something like that. And she's also recording an album for her acapella group. So when I spoke to them yesterday, she asked if I would drive her to the acapella group and then wait there because it's now two and a half or three hours away until they're done. So maybe I'll get a hotel room somewhere and then drive her to the Battle of the Bands, which is a couple of three hours away, and then drive her back to the acapella group. Now we're talking about a whole day devoted to driving Lily from place to place and not even being with her. Maybe I'll get to see that Battle of the Bands and maybe I won't. Now, my husband, Ted, who is a lovely guy, who also struggles with feeling like he's being used, like he's a little bit victimized, like he's not getting enough, started telling me the reasons why it would be hard for me to do that. You'd be spending a whole day driving. That's three hours away. She won't even be there with you. You'll be sitting in the car. And so Lily says, dad, you're not making this sound very good. And then I said, of course I was going to do this for her. I'm driving her there. I'm driving her to the Battle of the Bands and I'll drive her back. Now, it's kind of interesting to have both thinking about it. A lot of people might not do that. That would be not an easy day, although I love to drive and I'm a really good driver. And I would kind of do anything to get Lily in the car for three hours because when we're in the car, we're just singing and talking and that's time. And then when I'm driving alone back, I get to listen to the million podcasts that I haven't had the opportunity to listen to. So driving in a car is not hard for me at all, but it's definitely hard for Ted. And so Ted was putting out all his feelings about what it would be like for him to do that, that he'd be missing work, that he wouldn't be at the comfortable computer, that it would feel hard, that he'd be left alone, and then somehow he'd be being used and people weren't doing the same thing for him, nor have they. So the reason why I bring this up is that it's really important, first of all, to get an idea about what you're thinking in your mind and dig deeper into it to understand why you're thinking it. And then also not assume that other people are thinking the same thing. And that's very true about your teens and your tweens is that we might have an idea about what's hard for them to do or not hard for them to do, or what might put them in harm's way or what might the, give them some kind of rejection in the future or where they'll feel some disappointment. But we don't know exactly how they'll react to it. 
We don't know if it'll help them grow or not grow. We don't know if that's the stepping stone to the point where they're going to be at their full evolved hopeful self. We only know what we have in our past and what we're using as our thinking. So if you can do those thought downloads, especially if you have a lot of those negative thoughts about whatever's going on and it's not what the other person is thinking and then decide if you like that thought or not. And if you don't like that thought, decide if there's another thought you could even possibly think. Now, the interesting part is that I realized that I have a lot of that negative thinking from my early childhood, and I'm not sure whether I'm going to lose that negative thinking from my early childhood, but I still get to decide what I think about the negative thinking, which is such an interesting thing. So you remember that self-coaching model that I told you early on in this podcast? You've got the circumstance, the circumstance is unrefutable, something that you can prove in the court of law. And then you have the thought about the circumstance, which is the thing that you get to change. So what I ended up doing is I end up putting whatever my trigger is or whatever my struggle is or whatever Ted's struggle is. So Ted's struggle is that he feels like, like somebody is taking advantage of him in a way. And I put that in my circumstance line. Like, oh, when this happens, I will feel as if somebody is taking advantage of me. When my daughter asks me for things, I will feel such and such way. And then I decide what to think about it. Now, when I say I will feel such and such a way, I usually add on that there is that triggered thought from my early childhood where people weren't taking me places and people weren't thinking about me that well. And so I usually add that little caveat because when I have that thought, it's a real thought and it stems from a real place. It stems from that place in the early childhood where that came in and then just got added to things. And then it kept getting added to more things and the energy of it snowballed. And then all of a sudden you have this recording about how you're not lovable or about how people don't do things for you or about how you'll get disappointed. You come by it honestly, but it'll end up being there. So if you put that in your circumstance line that I will have this triggered feeling that I'm being taken advantage of, you still get to decide what you think about it. That my daughter is the person that I have decided is not taking advantage of me for whatever reason. And I get to make that decision. And then you check in with that and you decide how that makes you feel. And if it makes you feel more relaxed or if it makes you feel motivated or if it makes you feel curious, then you go with that thought. And you take that in and you practice, practice, practice it. Because that other one, that one that I feel like I'm being taken advantage of has been practiced so beautifully. I'm the excellent practicer of that thought. So I want you to practice other thoughts. And again, I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm not talking about just deciding that everything's great, that nobody ever takes advantage of you because that's hard to believe. And I don't want you to sit around trying to do things that you don't believe because eventually it won't work. So take in a thought that's actually believable for you. This is kind of interesting because it leads me into another conversation. And I'm, it's so amazing because I never even thought that I would be talking about this, but 
once I start thinking about something and moving it forward in my brain and wondering how it could be dissected and pulled apart and creating other, like I said, little thought babies about what I can share with you, everything just keeps going from there, which is pretty amazing. Oh my God, I have to tell you, Nome is like a sheet of ice right now. If there was ice like this in New York, people would not be able to get around, but everything is a complete sheet of ice, the tundra, the roads. So luckily I have my cleats to dig in. So if you don't have a pair of cleats and you happen to be around icy snow, you definitely need to get one because they are the things that are digging into this ice and helping protect me. So I'm not nervous about it. Ah, was there anything else that I wanted to talk about today? There were so many things, but I think I'm gonna stop there with the heartfelt goodbyes and then putting those triggered thoughts in the circumstance line. I think that's kind of good enough for now. So what I want you all to do is to do those thought downloads in the morning. Remember that morning routine is really important. Write all your thoughts down. Take as much or as little time as you want. I want you to become somebody who actually has a morning routine and envision that person in the future and somebody who actually knows what they're thinking. And once you know what you're thinking, you can get a handle of stuff. And then decide if any of those thoughts are triggered thoughts from early memories. And that's what you want to do and see how they make you feel. And then decide if there are other thoughts that you would rather have that might make you feel differently. And then practice those thoughts. All right. That's what I got for you right now. So if you want, just hit me up and we could have a free consultation and I could help you get out of worry, overwhelm, anxiety, so you could have a safe, fun, pleasant, wonderful, connected life. And when I talk about safe, what I mean is that if you can really work on your worry and get control of whatever it is you're thinking and not react, but respond from a place of curiosity, from a place of interest, from a place of determination, then your kids will come back to you and tell you things. Your kids will want to come and play with you. Your kids will want to be there with you when things are hard, and then you can truly keep them safe. So come on, guys, come and hit me up for a consultation, and we'll talk about it. You will have a transformation even in that hour. Even if you don't want to work with me, you'll have that transformation. All right. I love you all. Take care. Bye.